I'm Allison Kulo. And I'm Doug Wells. Welcome to Mound Money on KPCW. Construction crews placed the final beam atop the 41st floor Astra Tower luxury high-rise last Thursday, marking the completion of a structural steel work on Utah's new tallest building. When Astra Tower is fully complete in the fall of 2024, it will add 377 luxury apartments to 89 to with at the address 89 at 200 south ed lewis with kensington investment company joins us this morning to highlight this new project ed welcome to mountain money thank you thanks for having me so give us a, a brief overview of kensington investment company that is the company that you work for what do you guys do when why are we here talking about this today so kensington investment company was started in 1983 by my mother and father it's a family business that is run by me and my sister now and uh, our number one endeavor or focus whatever you want to call it is real estate development number two is real estate management property management and number three is alternative investing so we do a lot of private equity alternative investing whatever you want to call it and then i'm sorry i missed the fourth fourth is philanthropy so we have lewis family foundation and uh we believe in giving back to the places we live work and play and i live work and play in utah so we're ramping things up with the with the foundation here as well and if you want to talk about live pc give pc i'm pumped for that as well okay <laughs> we may get to that as yeah, we, we move on we very well might okay so the the ad <clears throat> excuse me the address is 89 east 200 south there used to be a carl's jr yes uh, there, which was at most a two-story building. So yep. talk us through what does it take to take down a two-story building and put up what will be now the tallest building, I understand, in the state of Utah, 41 floors. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. So we acquired Carl's Jr. February 8th, 2018, and uh, took a few months finding an architect. Then we found an architect, so we really... I guess technically hit the ground running January 2019 and then started going through entitlements with the city. Uh, then we got entitled, I believe it was November of 19 and started schematic design. So there's, there's multiple phases in design with, with the architects. And one of course is conceptual. We had to sign off on a concept, then brought that to the city. Then once the city's okay, by that point you're kind of into schematic design getting a schematic design, then it's design development, and these are several months, and then there's construction uh, documents, CDs, that's the longest, that's with, with the most, most detail, and somewhere along the lines of schematic design, design development, COVID hit, and I froze the project for, uh, it was probably March, and then unfroze it in July of 2020, then hit the ground running again with our architect local to Salt Lake City, HKS. Am I going into too much detail right now? No, actually, I, I, I want to, to ask, like here in Park City, it's really hard to get something entitled yeah. and that development project is difficult. And I'm curious, when you bought that Carl's Jr., did you have a pretty solid idea that you'd be able to build something substantial? Or was that an intense, it sounds like it was not as intense as it would have been in a place like Park City. Because <laughs> you said months, and I was expecting you to say, what I thought you were going to say was you had an option on the building. And you took years to get the entitlement. No. 
So was the city <laughs> looking no. was, this, was <laughs> the crazy. city looking for another major development? I mean, we have we have yeah. City Creek there, which was a huge monster. I believe it was the largest development taking place in the United States at the time. Was the city looking for another major development? Did you know that you'd be able to walk it through without too many obstacles? So prior to closing on the property, I had meetings with the RDA, uh, which is the city's. Uh, I guess planning arm. I'm not sure. Redevelopment would... agency. So it's a separate yes. kind of taxing entity. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I met with Danny Waltz there. And uh, as far as zoning goes in Salt Lake City, he educated me on this at the time. That corner is a D1 corner. And so D1 corners in Salt Lake City are maximum density in Utah. So you can't build shorter than 100 feet. And it goes up to 375 feet. We are now roughly at 450-something feet, so we had to ask for a variance. We submitted in September of 2019. It took us three months to get entitled. And the dream, to answer your question... Isn't that crazy? For our audience here in Park City, 100 days to get entitled it seems incredibly... It, oh, it was... Did you feel like it was fast? Extremely. <laughs> but I'm not going to complain about it. No, 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 no please. Exactly. I think it's that shock. And I don't want to get anybody in trouble for saying how fast it was. But like yeah. the, the dream, you, you kind of asked about the vision. Sorry. Yeah. You had asked about the vision. I had done with, with the family and my team a tower in Boston. And that took approximately, what was it, about six years, six to seven years to get that entitled. So... We submit in September. We go in front of the Salt Lake City Planning Commission. And at the Planning Commission, one of the commissioners was like, hey, have you thought about adding more density? And I was like, this is a whole new world. It was nuts. Because they need housing. But, of yeah, course, Boston need housing. needs housing, too. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. And then we did uh, the mixed-use on the mixed-use project on Prospector Ave. And that took about, I want to say, a year and a half in Park City. So, you know different strokes for different communities. Absolutely. And so, you know, let's talk a little bit about Salt Lake City, their interest in seeing this developed, um, because as well, you know, I start looking at the number of new apartment units just in downtown Salt Lake is has increased exponentially. And just between 2020 and 2022, a report by Rent Cafe said that the increase in apartment units was up by 20.8%, and that was just within two years. How do you look, you know, how do you start looking at this project in 2018 saying, I want to do rental units, but then how do you understand what the market looks like when you actually open the building in 2024? We hired several different market analysis, analysts, excuse me, that's the appropriate word, uh, and had a lot of reports done. And that's why the building, I'm blaming the, uh, the analysts, that's why the building's the tallest building in Utah. Originally, it was only 34 stories. And then it grew and it grew because we did this market study where they said at the time we were only parking half of the building. The goal was always 380 apartments, but the city only requires you to park 50% of that. And so that's what we went with. And then after a bunch of these reports were done, they're like, hey, you're a knucklehead if you think you're only parking half of this building. This is Utah. People want to drive to Little Conway Canyon, Big Conway Canyon, Zion, Park City, Moab, et cetera, et cetera. You name it. People like their cars. 
So we added two more floors to the building, which then brought it from 34 to 36 stories. And then I had this experience uh, in a hotel where I was on, I don't remember what floor, I was on like 22 or 23, and they only had three elevators. And standing in the elevator lobby for minutes at a time just really, I don't know, it's detrimental to the tenant experience in my opinion. So I reached out to our, our property in Boston, which has four elevators. And if the elevator goes down, breaks down, or there's a move in or a move out, or something happens in the elevator, you're standing in that elevator lobby. So I added a fifth elevator, a big service elevator. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we're at 36 stories at that point. We lost 35 units because that elevator takes out a unit of floor. So to get those 35 units back, we had to put them on top. And next thing you know, we're the tallest building in Utah. And it wasn't intentional. I'd, I'd prefer to be a little bit more discreet, but at this point, everybody's really proud of it. I'm extremely proud of it. Everybody takes ownership. There's commitment. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm working on the tallest building. Did that answer your question? Absolutely, totally but it sideways. was a bit more unintentional, which I like as well. Yes. Um, and and as, as you said, too, it's the market value. You knew how many units you could put in um, that could essentially be sustained for the market. Yeah. If I could do it again, I'd add more units. And to your point, the inventory now is uh, its starting to catch up with demand. And I've, in my opinion, it's kind of neck and neck. And so if you're looking at studies in Salt Lake City, uh, rent isn't growing as much or as fast as it has been over the past two years. Obviously, the past three, four years have been crazy, but the past two years, rent's been going up at least 5% year over year. And now it's, it's starting to plateau. And I think half of the audience is breathing a sigh of relief hearing you say that because Park City's been hit hard with yep. increasing rents. And I think we all need a little breathing room. It's it's not healthy for anybody, I think, for things to keep. Nothing grows to the moon and better for things to flatten out than to plummet. Yeah. Um, do you have an idea of what the target monthly rentals are going to be in, in those units? Oh, great question. Uh, and if you don't, that's that's fine. I don't. You know, we we don't open to pre-leasing until April, mm. and at that point, we'll get with the team and and start rolling pricing out. Uh, that being said, it's forty stories. On paper, it's forty-one, but that's that's a side story. I got bullied out of uh, putting the thirteenth floor on the elevator for superstitious. So it's technically forty stories, but when you look at the elevator, it's going to say forty-one, but no thirteen. But the reason why I say that is because the pricing on two, three, four, five, six, you know, the lower floors is going to be substantially different than 40, 39, 38, 37, 36, because there's floor premiums, you know, the view gets better. Um, the Sorry, not the amenities, the fixtures and appliances will get better as the building goes up. So it's a building for everybody. It's just that those top floors aren't for everybody, to be honest. It's Let me ask the, the flip side of that question, which is the amenities, and, and the, it's it's labeled as a luxury uh, apartment building. Um, one of the things I noticed, we, my wife and I sold our house here that we lived in for almost a quarter of a century um, in the second year of the pandemic, just because the prices got so high, it's like at this price, well I'm played. a seller. And then we were trying to decide, do we buy another place in, in Park City, which is ultimately what we decided to do, or do we just relax and have an apartment, not have to worry about mowing the lawn anymore, that kind of stuff. And we looked in, in Salt Lake City, and there really wasn't much that offered the type of amenities 
that I would like to have. I've lived in San Diego in the past, and there were dozens of places that had really nice amenities. Um, are you guys planning on being at the upper end of what currently is being offered in Salt Lake City or, or kind of right in the middle of the pack there? As far as amenities go, we're going to be the top. The, the family's intentions and the business intentions are we're long-term holders. We usually don't sell anything. And for that reason, we build to the highest quality that we can afford. It's got to be sustainable. This is going to be a lead gold building. Our project and prospectors lead gold uh, as well. We're, we're going to pursue another lead gold building in the near future. But it's got to be high-quality, best-in-class amenities, sustainably designed. Uh, the STC, which is sound transmission, that needs to be really high. You don't want to hear your neighbors. We're adamant about kind of, like, I guess the best way to say it is condo-like finishes, mm -hmm. but for rent. And so uh, that was also an issue for us because there's no comps to Astor Tower in Salt Lake City yet. I mean, give us some time. Salt Lake City's booming. But so when we went to lenders and partners, they're like, well, what do we compare this to? And uh, there's Hardware Village. They have great amenities. Uh, much, much different location. That's a, that's a low rise as well. And then there's Liberty Sky right across the street, which is 21 stories. Uh, different quality, for lack of a better word, over there. So with Astro Tower, we're going to have over an acre of amenity space. The eighth floor is going to be a urban park. There's going to be a fitness center where it's so big that you won't need a gym membership. There's going to be a lounge area. There's going to be a kitchen demo center there. Uh, there's going to be five guest suites. So if you're staying there and you don't want people staying in your actual apartment, we'll have exclusive guest suites there. Uh, we're going to have a business center. Then you go to 22. That's our wellness center. We're going to have a cold plunge, hot tub, sauna, steam room inside with men's and women's locker room. Then outside we'll have a hot tub and a pool deck. That's at roughly 250 feet above State Street. The view is amazing looking south and east. And then you get up to the sky deck, which is the 41st floor on the elevator. And One of five. <laughs> yes. Sorry? One of five elevators. Yes, exactly. One of five elevators. Thank you. And that sky deck, I mean, I've been up there. We just did the topping off, as you know, and it's breathtaking. That view, looking at the Wasatch, which, as you know, runs north to south. That's kind of our east, our north east and then southeast view it's it's bananas it's awesome i don't did was that good yeah that was great thank okay. you you had mentioned your um local architecture firm but one of the things that i had read was that a majority of the teams that are working on the construction of astro tower are utah based how unique is that and how has that helped you that was a crucial th that was something we were very adamant about was going local uh as much as we could so we met with five big architects in Salt Lake City, chose HKS, um, partly because they have a, a national presence and they have experience. They could tap into their team in San Francisco, which we did. They tapped in their team in Chicago, which we did because, as you know, there's not a lot of high-rise being built in Salt Lake City. So experience is important to me, but local is probably just as important because you want to meet with people. You want to see them face-to-face. Uh, so we went with them, and then we met with Big D Construction, Oakland, Jacobson is unanimous to pick Jacobson. They're local, they're Nissan, they're employee-owned. Uh, I, I like the values and the character behind them. And uh, 
I don't want to go into the whole list of engineers, but we went we went through and picked as many local engineers as we could. There's some folks that, uh, for lack of experience or options, we ended up going out of town. But for for the big ones, local. And how about the the steel work? I know people are surprised, like the Bellagio's steel, the Bellagio building in Las Vegas, the steel work there was built, uh, was put up by a solid, the steel was provided and the construction was put up, the, the steel work, by a Salt Lake City company, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, until a friend. Did you use a, a local company for, what's it called, the grid iron work? So Astor Tower is a concrete superstructure, so it's, it's pretty much all concrete. Obviously, there's a ton of rebar within the concrete, we're a seismic zone four in Salt Lake City. San Francisco is a four. Typically, you're at a one, so that requires a ton of concrete and a ton of rebar. But the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the halo at the very top where you do the topping off, where you raise the, the steel beam, that was, that was steel. And I believe that's a local contractor as well. So let's talk about concrete, because anyone who's had a local project anytime recently knows that it's not easy to get access. So when you're looking at pouring a building like this, and I'm thinking of watching like modern marvels, it's like you have to be on time and you have to be on point of each of those deliveries so that that building cures in the right way. How do you do that? You know your stuff. Some stuff. (laughs) Not everything. So... I'm not sure when it was. I think it was spring of last year of 22, spring, summer of 22. There's two major fly ash plants in Utah. And one of them kind of had like, I don't know, a major malfunction. I don't think it exploded, but it was a major malfunction. And that plant provides roughly 70% of, of concrete ash to the state of Utah. Don't hold me to it, but it's, it's, it's a big number. And they were producing 25% of what they typically present, uh, produce, excuse me. And so it was a major delay because at that point, we are just starting to hit our stride with Astro Tower and pouring the concrete. And concrete is, without concrete, there's no Astro Tower. And so fortunately, Jacobson has a really strong relationship with them, which is why, Maybe not why, but one of the major reasons why it's great to go local and pick the pick the local guys. And so we picked a local contract, and Jacobson has a huge self-performed team. They do all of their own concrete work, and they have some major projects. I think they're either number one or number two general contractors in the state, and they had a relationship. And so I wouldn't say we had first dibs on the concrete ash, but we got in the priority order, and that helped us. We still, don't get me wrong, we lost a lot of time. We're currently about a month behind schedule right now. It started with that. There are a few other snafus, and I'm sure you've read in in the newspaper, but uh, without that relationship, we'd probably be six months behind because of that that major uh, slowdown in the flash. And how'd you decide to do concrete versus traditional steel? Sound, mostly. Mm. Sound, and I think uh, seismic as well. I would actually probably reorder that. Seismic number one, sound number two. In a residential building, more often than not, you want concrete because you won't hear your neighbors upstairs, you won't hear your neighbors downstairs, you won't hear your neighbors to the side of you. And uh, also with the seismic, you're, you're able to do more rebar, 
with steel, it's usually typically found in office buildings and commercial uses. From my from my experience, isn't as big of a deal. The sound attenuation is not a big deal when with offices. Right. Okay. I was going to say, as as we start to get close to wrapping up, I want to go to a point and dig into it a little bit more. You had mentioned how the uh, Kensington company, you guys hold pieces long term, yeah. and so again, you're really looking at you know building a high quality piece. I want to look at you know, the future of the West and the future of Salt Lake City with regards to water shortages and air quality concerns. How are you, again, looking at holding this building for quite some time? How, how did you address that within the construction? Well, like I started with, we, we are lead gold. Sorry, we're on track to be lead gold certified. We won't do anything unless it's lead gold certified or higher. So that's number one. And I, I think that that helps marketing, of course, but also helps with the environment. And then uh, as an offset, we have Lewis Family Foundation, which, I mean, I don't know if this qualifies, but we, we have three focuses on Lewis Family Foundation. One is climate change, one is social justice, and one is education. And so we put a lot of effort into partnering with really strong groups that help fight and combat climate change. One of them here is Utah Clean Energy. I don't know if you're a with Sarah Wright, but she's a rock. Andy Bierman actually introduced me to her, and she's fantastic. And so I think uh, tracking for lead gold with the architect and with the general contractor, everybody's committed to it, and then uh, offsetting what we do with Lewis Family Foundation by partnering with people that combat global warming is probably our, our good token. No, I think We're open to suggestions. And, and we have time for one last question, and actually I'm going to pass the baton to you. Allison, because you probably know more about it. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the show your local project here in Park City, and um, if you could give us an update on that. I don't even know if it's done. I don't, I'm not familiar oh, with yeah, it. So, Allison, you so, probably know. You know, Ed's not just building in Salt Lake. He's got quite a, a bit of investment going on in town, specifically in Prospector Square, where you hold a number of properties. And you were part of some recent reinvestment in the area of building two new buildings right there on Prospector Avenue across mm -hmm. from... Um, oh goodness, uh, Saltbox, salt that would be the one. Yes, right across from Saltbox. Yeah. Tell us about those and what goes on on those properties. So we broke ground on those in July of 19, delivered November of 2020. Those are legal certified and Park City has a 35 foot height requirement. So it's really hard to get three floors in there. So we ended up going with CLT, which is this cross laminated timber. It was the first of its kind ever to be used in Utah in a mixed use development. And it allows for uh, really good ceiling height. We're adamant about good ceiling height. You know, it goes hand-in-hand -hand with quality and experience. But also, it's it's very thick. It's like a, a glue lamb, but on steroids, if you will. And so it's very sustainable. But uh, 20 of the units fully leased. And the Pretty Bird space is uh, commercial that's fully leased as well. And we have a waiting list for the apartments there. And uh, I couldn't be more happy with it. And hopefully we can do something like that to a bigger scale uh, in the near future in Park City. And, and with a three-month uh, timeline for getting approvals would be even better. I'm not holding my breath. We've been speaking with Ed Lewis with Kensington Investment Company. He joins us this morning to talk about Astra Tower, Utah's tallest high-rise. Ed, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank thanks, you very Ed. much.
kids are looking forward to uh, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos is coming up as, as well. And Pendry Park City is hosting its second annual Dia de los Muertos celebration with a special tasting at Dos Olas, Two Waves. Here to discuss this celebration and much more is Beth Rossi. She's the Marketing and Communication Director with Pendry Residence Park City. Beth, thank you for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me. So tell us about your, your celebration, Dia de los Muertos, uh, which stands for Day of the Dead, dead being plural. Uh, but it's Dia, uh, one day. So is it a one-day celebration you guys are doing or several days? Technically, it is one day. It's, it's traditionally right after Halloween. Um, but we're just, you know, we've been closed for the last two weeks. We take a seasonal closure at Dos Olas. So we kind of wanted to have a whole week-long celebration and kind of get everybody out in the community and come join us. Um, so, yeah, we, we're doing it from tomorrow until Saturday. Um, and, yeah, it's just a special way to celebrate this holiday that, you know, we don't think of it as celebrating the dead. We think of it as just celebrating life in general. And, you know, Dos Olas is has very traditional Mexican roots, and, and we just want to celebrate that with the community. That's great. Now, Dos Olas is located at Pendry Park City. For those that may have not made it up to the pro property yet, can you tell people a little bit more about that area? Yeah, so we open in February um, of 22, um, and we are a resort. We have 175 guest rooms and suites. We have technically five restaurants, Dos Olas being one of them. Um, we also, our other popular restaurant, Kita Japanese Steakhouse at Sushi. We have Opera Pendry, The Pool House, Disco Pizza. Um, we have Spa Pendry and, and Compass. But Dos Olas is, is a little bit um, different in that it, it has a separate ownership group from the hotel, but we manage everything. And yeah, we, we've been excited to join the community. We are actually, for those that don't know, we're part of Montage International. So we are we're the same brand as our Sisters of the Hill of Montage. Oh, that's, yeah. And so, again, um, and Pendry is a brand as well. How many Pendries are there? So we're actually the, technically the first resort Pendry, which is unique. Um, mm -hmm. The rest of the Pendries, it was, it was a, Montage actually is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Um, but Pendries are a newer branch to the company. Um, the other ones being resorts and more of a resort community area. The others, Pendry was built to be more contemporary luxury in city properties. So it's a really unique opportunity for us to be not only the first resort Pendry, but also the first location that there's a montage and a Pendry, um, which excitingly, there's going to be several of those here in the future as well in other really? locations. Yeah. When you say here, do you mean Park City or Utah? In Park City, yeah. Or Well, in Utah anywhere in general yeah there's never been another you know the fact there's montage deer valley and pendry park city are in the same town um that's never happened before with the company most are they're based out of california so there's several that are close to each other in california but never in the same town okay and yeah. so at dos olas which is spanish for two waves yes uh which is your mexican restaurant up at pendry residences um, you guys have your normal menu, mm -hmm. but it seems like between tomorrow and Saturday, there'll be a special menu. Tell us about that. Yep, so it's a three-course tasting menu. Um, we have a soup, a potato and hawk and cheese soup, braised short rib, and pando muerto, which is a traditional um, dessert for Dia de los Muertos. Um, and then we have an ofrenda up on our wall, which for those that don't know, it's, 
it's it's kind of like an offering so there's many different factors and we kind of have little signage to explain um, you know the importance of different parts of the celebration and we invite our employees as well as anybody in the community if you want to participate in our community ofrenda you can bring a photo or a, an item of a loved one that's no longer with us and just join our ofrenda that's lovely to kind of tie in again the the true meaning of the holiday um, not that this is essential to the true meaning of the holiday but being a a more traditional Mexican restaurant, you do probably have a large selection of tequilas and other types of um, liquors that would be found. Yes, I've been told by our beverage manager we have the largest agave-based spirits in in the state of Utah. So they, they worked really hard to build that collection from when we opened. Um, and yeah, I mean, our we brought in our chef, Carlos Segura. He came from Cabo, where he's working on a property, but you know, he has Mexican roots and he brought a lot of his family recipes to Dos Olas and just, you know, I, it's, it's my favorite Mexican town, whether or not I worked there, but, uh, yeah, just, we have very traditional flavors that, you know, I, I think is unique up here. Yeah. So I, I spent two months of the pandemic honkering down in Oaxaca, Mexico, which was a magical experience because nobody was there. There were no tourists, right? And I was honkered down too. Most things were closed. But I did develop a, a, an appreciation for good mole. Yeah. Do you guys have some good mole dishes at Dos Olas? We do. And, and Chef spent time in Oaxaca. I equally love Oaxaca. It has, his mole has 27 different ingredients, and he simmers it for five days. Um, so we kind of have a, a seasonal, so like, this past season, it uh, was a cauliflower dish. So it was cauliflower con mole. So it was a really tasty, um, like whole sliced head of uh, cauliflower. And then it had the simmered mole with it. But um, yeah, every season he uses that same, uh, his family recipe for mole and does a different spin on it. Okay. And Dia de los Muertos is, is specially made for this week and to be celebrated at a Mexican yes. uh, restaurant like yours. Um, Allison has done a lot of homework. She gives me some cheat sheet notes here. So kudos to her. But uh, she says that uh, there's a calendar of event celebrations, not just Dia de los Puertos, but throughout the year. What are some more that are coming up during this holiday season? We're about to start. So we're excited. Uh, we had a, a Thanksgiving dinner last year, but as the Pendry brand grows, we're trying to do some more things together that people can find at all of our different locations. The first Pendry was in Pendry, San Diego, and they started something called Chef's Giving. So we are doing our own spin on Chef's Giving here in Park City. It's on Thanksgiving Day, so it's we're exclusively serving our Thanksgiving dinner, and a percentage of all of those dinners, the proceeds, goes to the Christian Center um, to help their food bank and, and what they're doing here for local community. So we're very excited about that. Um, just in general, you know, we're very focused on our community. Um, so we have a variety of activities that weekend. Uh, we want to bring people to the Pendry Plaza, bring people to Pendry Park City. Um, so we have between Chef's Giving, we also have something called Sip, Shop, and Snuggles. So we have um, complimentary hot cocoa and cider and s'mores for people to come explore the shops in the plaza. With that, we um, also, Dear Tour Hearts is Nuzzles & Co. So we'll have a snuggle lounge that Saturday with all the puppies. Oh, nice. We Wait. have a special pop-up with a jewelry this company. This is Thanksgiving weekend? Yep, Thanksgiving okay. weekend, yeah. So between just the community coming out and I think the Wasatch Front, you know, we're excited that ski season kicks off that Friday before. 
uh, with the 60th anniversary here of Park City Mountain. So we're just excited to have people come up, whether it be a staycation for the Wasatch Front or just, you know, people in town coming out and exploring if you haven't been out to the Pendry or Pendry Plaza yet just to come see what we have. And I think that's a little bit what I wanted to explore in our conversation is when you plan these events and, and you, as you mentioned, you're looking to mimic a lot of the same events at the Pendry or at the Pendry properties at the same time. But how do you start to balance, you know, making sure that there's enough on site for those that are visiting as well as making sure that the community feels welcome coming up to the property? So it is a little bit of a balance. We have a lot of recurring uh, programming that we call it for for just in-house guests, whether that be, you know, a lot of times like our s'mores are for our in-house guests. So we have different things. We have daily, call it Compass with Compliments. Our Compass Sports has different classes every day for free, uh, wellness classes with our spa. So we have a lot of recurring things in-house that are for guests. But then, you know, we have that great space of our plaza and, and we want to use it and we want people to know in the off season, the summer, we have free parking and people just to come you know, know what we're about because Canyons Village has changed a lot. Um, and, and we want people to come explore that. Um, we're excited this year. We have a 30-foot Christmas tree. This will be the first year that we have it right in the center of the plaza. Um, so the weekend after Thanksgiving, that December 2nd, we're going to have our first annual tree lighting ceremony of that 30-foot tree. So we're excited. We'll have live reindeer. We'll have Santa and free photos and um, a hot cocoa bar and we want people to come come out the whole community it's for it's complimentary for everybody tell me the date for that again uh, Saturday December 2nd December 2nd yeah. thank you yeah yeah and this is probably a special time of the year for you you just mentioned you guys just shut down for your for your seasonal break um, and and I noticed I've been out of town for on vacation the last two weeks and I came back and town is quiet and you know we kind of need this time to kind of rebuild and you know you can get a parking spot where you're going and things are just a little bit slower um, but it sounds like Pendry is is open now uh, you you have some in-house guests how do you guys handle this next couple weeks between now and when the resort opens is it mostly people coming from Utah up for like a weekend getaway or what's kind of the focus of Pendry during the off season so it's a good mix. And our hotel actually, the hotel didn't close. The, uh, Dosolas, the restaurant itself, took a two-week break. And then Keto will do the same for two weeks. Just, you know, kind of give our chefs and, and the team, like, a little break before the season. It's important because it's, it's, last year was a busy season. And the numbers I've seen is this season is going to be very busy as well. Exactly. And, and so it gives us all a little time to take a break and, and just ramp up for the season. Um, but yeah, this time of year, it's a, it's a big mix. You know, I, I think a lot of the hotels and hospitality here couldn't survive in the off seasons without group business. Um, so that's really key. You know, a lot of companies, I think post pandemic are looking for retreats and ways to kind of connect with each other again. So that's been really important to us is getting a lot of groups out, you know, just coming up to the mountains from all over the world, just to kind of have a break and um, yeah, so that as well as just, you know, the drive market, whether it be the Wasatch Front, people from, you know, a few hours away from here just looking for a little escape. Um, and I think that'll be really important Thanksgiving weekend, too, because the mount will be open. So it's a little bit of mix of people that want to, you know, maybe just get away, but also have a little bit of skiing. We'll see how many runs are open. <laughs> Start that holiday season. Exactly. So I had the opportunity to dine at Dos Olas um, 
last year. And the one thing that shocked me, and again, having lived in Park City since the 90s, was the amount of tables you have in that restaurant alone. I'm so used to, in Park City, there being very limited space in dining rooms, especially in Old Town and Historic Park City. You don't have, you know, the amount of space. And and so the ability to not just maybe take a larger group, but to, but to seat so many people at one time blew me away. And I assume a majority of your restaurants are like that. How has that been through your first operating year? Are you filling it? Are you seeing that dining is a big thing that's bringing people out? It definitely is. And, you know, I would say our, our restaurants that are on the plaza from Kita Dosolas and Opre Pendry, you know, just being when the when it is in season from summer to winter, when people are coming just right off the mountain, whether it be hiking, biking, skiing, just being right there and, you know, if and when that new 10-person lift goes in, just being right there is going to be so key. So some of that, you know, has challenges in itself with that not being there yet. But, um, yeah, we we really don't in-season have trouble filling. Um, we have a really large bar side, which is great, um, and that's just for 21 and up. But it, there's not a, t- a ton of, of that in Canyons Village. So we're excited to kind of bring that environment there. And also with our you know, re- group and retreat business, there's so much opportunity. We have, you know, they'll want to come for a buyout, whether it be in non-operating hours or whatever it is, you know, they we they have those spaces. And in Keto, we have a little private dining room that's, um, you know, it's perfect for like a 12 or 14 top that, that people could come in, whether it be a family celebrating or a, a corporate group that just wants like a private dinner for the holidays. Um, it's It's nice to have those spaces because I've worked for other Park City restaurants that it's not, you don't have that opportunity. It's so typically, you know, the challenge is making sure there's the ma- the demand for the product. Allison, you were mentioning how many seats or uh, tables are at Dos Olas. Um, and it, so it sounds like the demand is there. What about the being able to, to provide the service? Mm-hmm. I know in seasons mm-hmm. in the past, labor has, has, has been a challenge. We're about to enter our peak season how are things are, are things loosening up in the labor market? Is it getting easier or harder? I wish I could say easier. <laughs> um, if if you if you're talking local workforce, um, that's continues to be a challenge. You know, to have the same workforce year round. We're very lucky. Those that we got pre-opening before we opened the hotel, we we have a good crew that is still with us, but. Um, like many hotels, we would not survive without the J1s. And we're very thankful to have Slopeside Village that are the same developers that built Pendry Park City, built Slopeside. And to have that it has meant the world, you know, that they came online, all these units. So whenever our team is going out and recruiting around the world, now we have Slopeside Village right there in Canyons Village. And the, the J1s love it. It has amazing amenities and that has made it so much easier for us to be able to do recruiting. So we have like three waves of J1s coming in starting right in the beginning of December. Um, and yeah, we, we wouldn't be able to run all of our outlets and hotels without them. And I know there, there was a cutback a couple of years ago on the J1s. How percentage wise, is it like a third of what it used to be, three fourths of what it used to be? Do you have an idea of how, how, how big of an impact that was on the J1s? I'm not exactly sure. I, I know it's gotten better, though, because I used to work for Steinex and Lodge for many years, and, and 
Um, I would say that the ratio is pretty similar to how how it used to be. You know, we pretty much triple, quadruple staff during that time, um, and and that is is based on the J ones. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad to hear that because of the slope side, uh, which is exactly. You know, it's a win-win for the community. It's a win for the employers as well. And could do a little plug for Columbus Pacific Development, who is the, <laughs> the builder of both Pendry and Slopeside. Okay. And on yep. that note, we've been speaking with Beth Rossi. She's the Marketing and Communication Director for Pendry Park City. And as a reminder, Dos Olas is having their Dia de los Muertos special menu that starts tomorrow, Tuesday, and goes through Saturday. Beth, thank you for joining us. last week of uh, October and the first week of November reminds all of us that it is Live PC, Give PC week. Um, and today we've got in studio with us Alexis Brown and Daniel White. Um, and they're going to talk to us about Live PC, Give PC this year. Um, and I believe joining us this morning um, is also Alexis Brown, VP of Philanthropy, uh, with Park City Community Foundation and Daniel Wright, Managing Director, Head of Utah and uh, Idaho's J.P. Morgan Private Bank. I think I introduced you guys twice. I apologize <laughs> for that. Okay, Live PC, Give PC. It, it, it's, it's coming. The countdown has begun. It begins on, on, on Friday, and it brings everybody in the community to this event. I remember when you guys launched your first one, uh, and it was it was... It was super exciting. We didn't know what to expect, and it was great. Um, but uh, tell us about what this event truly is about. This event is, uh, it's been around for 13 years now, and it's really about bringing our community together to support the nonprofits that really make Park City a special place to live, work, play, and visit. Because truly, if you spent a day in Park City, you've been affected by a nonprofit in this area. Um, it's, uh, we have nonprofits that run the gamut, human services, arts and culture, trails, everything in between that really make Park City what it is and so on live pc give pc it's this friday november 3rd it's an opportunity for all of us to give back to those organizations by making donations to any and all of those nonprofits that are special to us now live pc give pc is one day but it takes much more than one day much more than i assume one month to kind of put this together when does the community foundation start to work on each year's event I am going to, it's going to be the silliest answer you've ever heard. I don't think we ever stop thinking about Live PC, Give PC, to be honest, because really, um, you know, we have um, uh, Danielle here, um, who's a generous sponsor um, from JP Morgan. And honestly, we start thinking about the next year, the days afterwards, because we have our team um, working with local businesses and individuals who are really um, paying attention to the day, wanting to make it even better. And so we start those conversations to really make sure that Live PC, Give PC is a great opportunity to highlight the folks who make this day possible. And we do that. Uh, we start those conversations really early. So almost a year round project. Exactly. Hopefully not next Monday. Give yourself a little bit of time, but I suspect <laughs> not not much longer than that. Okay, uh, Daniel, let's, let's bring you in as well. So you're the managing director and the head of Utah and Idaho J.P. Morgan Private Bank. Mm -hmm. Why is Park City's Live PC, Give PC an important program to, to you and uh, the folks at J.P. Morgan? 
This is the most important time for us to come out for our community and to be here for Park City. Um, we have a long history of working with the Park City Community Foundation, and every time we're together, I learn about a new nonprofit and their amazing work that's happening here in Park City. And I mean, we're a bank, but we have plenty of employees that live here and um, have friends here, work with organizations here, and benefit from all the things that Alexis was talking about. So we need to show up for our community. So we're planning to be here for the day. We're going to be out here with our orange shirts um, outside, waving donation signs. We're going to be um, at many of the events throughout the day, participating and um, helping sponsor and donate. And we're encouraging everyone that we know who's in Park City to come out that day and support their friends, their neighbors, the organizations that make this city so wonderful and we're just really proud to be in a position to do that as a sponsor. Alexis, talk a little bit more. I, I know JP Morgan's a sponsor. Um, what does a sponsor bring to the table for the Community Foundation to be able to do this event right? So essentially, um, I would say that this is just a great way um, for us to show what some of our sponsors are doing throughout the year. So like, while, while I would like to say, uh, sponsors make the day possible it is just one of many ways that all of these organizations these businesses are giving back to the community both directly to some of the other nonprofits and to us as well they're part of deep partnerships that the businesses around town um, it's, it's just one part of how they get involved and so really it's just making sure that we have the funds um, to make the day possible making sure that we have uh, a, a great uh, network of people like just like um, uh, Danielle said we have uh, uh, as me as much as we would love to say everybody in this community knows about Live PC, Give PC. More and more uh, donors come to us every year. So last year, as an example, we had 6,600 donors um, come to the table and give to the nonprofits. Our goal this year is 7,000 donors. So really, beyond just helping us make the day possible from kind of that financial perspective, it really is just hyping up um, the day, getting all of their family, friends, colleagues involved um, because that's a big goal. 7,000 donors this year, but we think it's possible because um, each year we, we, we've grown and grown. And so um, that's, a, that's a huge part, I would say, is just helping us get the word yeah, out. Yeah, that's a big number, 7,000 from a town. Allison, you probably know better than I what the full-time population of, of Park City is, but 15, 20,000 max. So it's almost a third of the people. That's, that's a big, big number. What about um, the not-for-profits? You know, I, I moved here about 25 years ago, and one of the things that that made moving here so nice and and just I felt at home almost right away, and I, it took me a while to figure out why that was. But a piece of that is we have this really strong net of not-for-profits that make this town like a, a melting pot between all different types of people that makes it so special to live here um, and so the not-for-profits are a key key reason that this town in my opinion works uh, and as special as as it is and I think it's even more important as, as we start growing how many not-for-profits are involved in live, live PC give PC? 124 this year so so quite a few and just kind of for reference that's any nonprofit that's providing programming in Summit County or essentially along the Wasatch back I would say we definitely dip um, over kind of into the Heber Valley as well so a lot of these nonprofits are based elsewhere but really we want anybody who is helping and serving 
serving the people of this community. We want them to be able to use this event and this day of giving to uh, bolster their fundraising efforts and move their missions forward for anybody who benefits for their services right here in town. So Danielle, there's 124 nonprofit organizations, which is a huge number. I assume when they go to the Live PC, Give PC website, they can learn about each one of those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've actually learned about many of them through Live PC, Give PC. So, um, I mean, 124 means you sort of find out about different organizations every day and um, because you're impacted by their services or because you're personally interested in a mission that they're helping to serve. Um, so people like Alexis have been very helpful in helping us navigate all of that, but there's certainly resources online. I think also going to the events is a great way to meet these nonprofits. And so as we're volunteering at some of the outdoor locations, we're finding that there's some members of the other nonprofits there that I plan to meet. Um, and then there's after parties and there's events throughout the day where a number of these nonprofits will be. And I always just ask people as I'm meeting them, what do you do? What nonprofit are you with? What organizations do you support? And I think it's a great way to learn what's here in the community and what impact of, um, these organizations are making. And, and so online is a great way to find out what's going on that day and what the not-for-profits are. Uh, it's also a great way to make donations, right? I mean, it's a little bit colder out. Uh, people have busy schedules, so if they can't come and participate face-to-face -face at these events, can they uh, donate online? And when does that start? You can give now. Early giving has started now. So um, at livepcgivepc.org, it's super easy to go through the website, figure out if you don't know what causes your, uh, or organizations you're interested in giving to just yet, you can sort by cause. You can fill up your cart just like it's online shopping, donate to lots of organizations in one swoop. And um, you can do it from anywhere. So we talk about our 7,000 donor goal. Those are part-timers as well and visitors as well because really it is so easy to get involved even if you're not living here every day of the year um, I think that we've done all of the nonprofits have done an amazing job of uh, reaching out to their networks that are uh, nationwide and probably from all around the world really so again if my mom makes a donation to KPCW through live PC give PC because she's in Iowa it still counts yes it's absolutely. any donations you you non-discriminatory where they're coming from it's just that they come in that day so they come in and honestly from um, uh, depending on kind of the 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 challenge we have lots of challenges and prizes throughout the day a lot of those are reserved for um, November 3rd so things like our, our repeat donors and we have some power hours where we'll have some boosted donations so all of our sponsors they also give funds that have provided $35,000 in prizes additional prizes for the nonprofits and a lot of those are happening on November 3rd but a lot of matching donations so you can have your donations doubled at some of the organizations and those are all listed on the website as well on live PC give PC and that's starting now just depending on the organization so I would say get on there give early give often now's the time for live PC give PC okay we've been speaking with uh, Alexis Brown and Daniel Wright uh, thank you both for being in studio uh, live PC give PC starts on Friday, but don't wait till Friday. Go on the website now, find out what the activities are, and it sounds like you can start giving. Thank you both for joining us. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. You've been listening to KPCW's Mountain Money. If you like Mountain Money, let us know. Please leave a review.